0: This is a Pain Information Network. I'm in Central Florida, and we're a little tired from a long day of training, and we were at uh, this beautiful campus in Florida, Central Florida, in Orlando, the new medical school there. Their first class of graduates was 2013, and I can tell you this place is magnificent. And uh, it's going to be one of the probably best medical centers in the country. It's going to need a little time, a little maturity, but the medical students I met today were just the best. They were young, enthusiastic, energetic, and it really reminded me why I went into medicine. But you know what? I get Peter Statz today. Peter Statz is uh, world-renowned. He's the director of the Johns Hopkins pain program in uh, Emeritus. In other words, he started it and I think he's still a, pretty much affiliated with uh, his academic standing basically throughout the world, World Institute of Pain. And he is an individual that was kind enough to sit with me today. As I have Steve Locke here, a second year PMNR resident, and it's fun to look at the contrast. Peter Statz, being world renowned and an expert in his field, he's an author. And he is an instructor and and a lecturer. He's one of these uh, folks that we all sit and listen to and uh, look up to. And it's exciting to have him on. And Steve Locke, he gets to sit there, and we get to look at the next generation, and he gets to see us as um, kind of the older guys, but we're not going away anytime soon. And we get to sit and break a little bread. The best thing about... Finishing the day, and and they're long and they're hard days, uh, is we get to meet up at the hotel and we get to talk. And we talk on uh, so many subjects that, that are meaningful to us. You'll get to hear Steve talk about... Uh, his future you know when i was a young physician i was thinking like what's going to be like in 15 to 20 years you'll hear that question it was it wasn't scripted he he he's saying the same stuff i was saying and peter really handled it so it's going to be fun episode and uh, i'll have a couple more of these so let's get to it i have it with me today dr peter stats He's a good friend, uh, ex-president of American Society of Interventional Pain Physicians, and we're in southern Florida, and what we're doing is we're training, and we're getting folks ready for an examination, and I've got Peter here as one of the national experts on not only controlled substances, but interventional pain medicine. His credentials are extensive. Tell me about yourself.
1: Well, thanks Hans. Um... Past president of ASIP, past president of NANS, past president of New Jersey Side of Interventional Pain, uh, adjunct associate professor at Johns Hopkins University.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that'll take your breath away. So um, let's just say you can talk a little bit about pain. Good thing about these folks taking the exam is they've made a commitment, and a commitment to excellence and taking things to another level. The reason is they don't have to do this. But most of these guys and gals are doing it uh, for their patients, for the betterment of the community, and just to move forward in the field of pain medicine. Comment.
1: Well, I think this is a very exciting time to be a pain doctor, and uh, we have great opportunities to help a lot of people. The amount of advancement in terms of the scientific understanding and the clinical base of what we do is really unparalleled today over the last several decades.
0: It is. You know that um, you've been an educator for a, a long time. And the Are good you
1: talking about my gray hair? Is that, is not that, at is all. That all? A I got too. To. Stop
0: <laughs> it. You know me. I got a lot of less hairs than you. But the thing is, we uh, have experience. And, you know, the, the best thing about experience is you kind of know when to do yes and when to do no. If I can do interventional pain medicine and define it, tell me the no's when you don't do interventional
2: pain medicine.
1: Oh, that's an interesting topic. I think all of the, the, uh, the hard part about what we do is understanding the patient and understanding when certain approaches are going to be the right thing for various patients. Everybody's a little bit different. And that goes from opiates. It's not that everybody should be on opiates or everybody shouldn't be on opiates. Uh, It's not that everybody should have a stimulator or everybody shouldn't. There's a lot of judgment that a a seasoned physician makes in trying to decide what's the right therapy for the right patient at that right time.
0: Exactly right. So, okay, walk me through this. Um, Your patient comes to you, and you have two options, opioid, interventional. Tell me which pathway you take, kind of based on not only your gut, but your diagnosis.
1: Well, what has evolved over time is that we used to think of interventional therapies as riskier therapies. And I think that's been turned on its head for me. I consider now opiate therapy riskier than a variety of the minimally invasive procedures that we do. Amen. So I think about these therapies as the lowest risk procedure is no longer putting them on a little bit of an opiate. It may be fix the problem with some type of interventional therapy, and we have so many at our disposal. I think about those first.
0: You know, that's exactly why we're here, and you you just nailed it, because we are here training. And years ago, we didn't have the treating. What we had was um, people basically learning to be future educators, and we had our moments. So now the risk-reward benefit has definitely turned into a positive for interventional and not for opioids. You nailed it. All right, what's your passions?
1: For medically, my passion is neuromodulation. I think this is really the, the most exciting area that we have in medicine today. Uh, We have uh, new treatment strategies that we can offer patients to really help people when they couldn't help them in the past. We have new therapies like the SPR um, sprint system that is going to be used for acute pain to get rid of uh, opioids for acute pains for knee surgery. We have high-frequency neurostimulation. Yes. We just had yes. an approval this week on burst frequency stimulation. Yes. Yes. We have. Well, uh, slow
0: down a second. What's burst?
1: So burst is a very set frequency developed by Dirk DeRitter uh, to mimic how the spinal cord sees and how the thalamus sees electrical activity. So for the first time, we're really using specific neural pathways to modify pain with our electricity and our spinal cord stimulator systems.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. And I I tell my audience that the technology is exploding in front of us. And we got to talk to Frank Falco about some of that. The neatest thing about spinal cord stimulation is it doesn't always eliminate opioids but i can tell you you can take somebody that had no hope no advancement in therapy for years only taking pills and all of a sudden they're sitting longer they're moving around better they're going to the grocery store i talk about this a lot they're grasping life back but more importantly they're getting out of the cloud the cloud of drugs yeah all right what else
1: so I think that's really a, a big focus for me today is understanding this. Uh, another big passion for my myself is to try to improve quality of care worldwide. And so I work now with the World Institute of Pain also yes, to try to educate physicians around the world. And so we can elevate the standard of care being delivered in very remote areas from Africa to Asia and South America as well.
0: All right, I'm going to turn to a student that I had today who's a very good student. And uh, I want him to ask Peter, got Ramson Ben-Yaman here too, ask him as well, two of the most prominent pain physicians in the world, a question, and we'll get their answer. So one
3: of the questions that I have is wondering about where do we see ourselves, with, especially with the opiate e- ep- epidemic that we're having, and what are we going to do to solve this problem? Is there any particular steps that we could do to help these people? It's approximately, according to the CDC, about 69 people are dying every day on opiate overdoses. Is there any other goals or plans that we have for them?
1: So, so I'll, I'll take the first stab at that, and then you go from there. I think that's a very critical and timely question. I think interventional pain management is the solution. There are, as you said, an the, uh, the enormous number of people who are prescribed opioids and are taking more than they should be and are dying. Um, and the problem that the government has come up with is said, just say no, stop prescribing these doses of opioids. It's important to say there are alternatives to opiates, and that's where interventional pain management sets in. We can't just say people don't hurt anymore. We have to provide an alternative approach, which is interventional payment.
2: Absolutely, I agree. And I I think that you got to have a balanced approach. You can't just go from one extreme to the other extreme. That's usually what government regulations do to us. So we have to have a balanced approach. Think about all the veterans who, as a result of injuries and stress that they have been through all these years, they have, you know, they have a lot of them have become dependent on opioids, and as a result, one of the unintended consequences of these guidelines is that, believe it or not, the rate of suicide among veterans has gone up, okay? So that's one group. Another group is cancer survivors. We have now 15 million cancer survivors that half of them have been living 10 years or more a lot of them they were on opioids in the past but now they are in remission but they've become dependent so we got to find a, a balanced approach to address those who need them and then use interventional procedures as a viable alternative
0: all right i'm going to ask i'm going to ask steve here steve if you could ask a world class pain physician anything where am I going to be, you know, 10, 20 years from now? What do you see us as? Ask, ask him anything. One of the big
3: questions, as a resident that's hopefully going to fellowship into pain management, where do we see ourselves as, as the uh, in ten years? 15 years do we see more technology advancing us and able to help patients in a, a more in a more efficient way than ever before or do you think we see more things kind of staying the same I, I
1: think we're in a great evolution right now
3: I think much like
1: historically if somebody had cardiac disease you would send the patient to the primary care doctor then on to the cardiologist and then on to the cardiac surgeon it would go, primary care doctor, direct to the cardiac surgeon. We're going to be in that same boat where somebody with chronic pain it comes to the primary care doctor, they're going to go straight to the interventional pain physician, recognizing that we're the people who are the general carpenters of problems of pain. There are going to be times when we need to have somebody go see an orthopedic surgeon, there's going to be time for therapy, there's going to be a time for interventions, and there's going to be a time for medications. And I think we're the most equipped at handling that. I also think that there are a variety of forces that are coming that are going to be very favorable to us. First, we do minimally invasive, relatively inexpensive procedures, like the minimally invasive lumbar decompression that can uh, remove the need to have a more invasive fusion or open surgical procedure. And the cost basis and the the invasive nature is going to make this become much more common. It's going to be similar to cardiologists doing stents. Initially, this was not well accepted, but over time, it became well accepted. And you're going to find that the advancements in technology with neuromodulation approaches of which we are very familiar are going to uh, make it such that we're going to be offering those therapies before very expensive therapies that have limited efficacy.
0: All right, Peter, to close, I'm just going to ask you to give some wisdom to a rising star. And then, Steve, I'm going to ask you about yourself, and you can tell the world. And 10 or 20 years from now, you can come back, you can listen to this, and you can say got it i'm next so
1: i was a, a founder and a chair of the division of pain medicine at johns hopkins for many years we had a lot of fellows that came through and i my parting words of wisdom for everybody was do the right thing the money will follow don't follow the money so there are people out there who just do things to make money too much you're in toxicology too many epidurals because they think it's going to make them money. Too many stimulators because they think they're going to make it money. Those people invariably fail. You may make a little money fast, but you're in this for the long road. Do the right thing.
3: Yeah. you have anything you want to say? Well, thank you for your time. And I appreciate that. That is some words of wisdom. And it's been amazing. Now, hopefully, will carry forward me, especially into my future, into pain medicine. And I'm hopefully to be amazing. Tell us who you are. So my name is Steve Locke. I am a second-year PMR resident at Larkin Community Hospital. I'm an osteopathic physician. I have a passion in pain since I was a uh, medical student, and I've been going and achieving my goals and coming here to ACIP uh, conventions to further my knowledge. And the acupuncture background in your family? Oh yes, uh, my grandfather Yi Kung lok He, in 1973, he legalized acupuncture in the state of Nevada, in which it was before prior acupuncture was kind of like done, you know, at some some guy's house in the back. But it legalized as an alternative medicine, and one of the biggest things that acupuncture was pain control at that time, and pain control in which my grandfather treated the Congress of, uh, Congress of Nevada in ear acupuncture. For me as a continuing, uh, not only a PMR resident, but to hopefully become a pain resident, but also study the Eastern philosophy, to combine the both worlds of Eastern and Western philosophy to give the best what I could offer to my patients.
0: All right, he's going to be, and you're going to be our next podcast soon. All right, good job, guys. I really enjoyed having you. Thanks so Thanks, much. Thanks, You bet. That was fun, wasn't it? I, I know the sound quality wasn't that great, but you know, it's it's spontaneous. We have the opportunity to all sit down and talk, but you know, we're not in a studio. <laughs> we're in we're in a restaurant or lounge or something, and we're just we're talking it over. And this is. A intimate form of peer review. We all look out for each other, and we all talk about each other's practice and what we're doing and what we can learn from each other. And that camaraderie really spills over into taking care of our folks, and that's you. So uh, please leave a review at paininformation.com, and I'll pass along uh, the positive comments. Let's uh, yuck it up for Steve. Let's get him some positive comments, and that stuff is highly motivating. And let's face it, he's a resident, and he took time out of an incredibly busy schedule, and I can tell you the hours are unbelievable, to come down here and be instructed in interventional pain medicine in the lab. And that kind of dedication is above and beyond So hats off, hats off. And Peter, as always, um, you know, I'm going to have you on again because uh, the uh, insight and knowledge and experience you have is really important because you you see the future and you see what's coming based on what you've seen in the past. So uh, also leave a review at iTunes if you would, please. It helps us rank, helps others find us, and we'll see you soon.